Hey folks, welcome to the Astrology Show. Super excited to bring you this episode of Venusian Afternoons. Um, first one with a dignified Venus. <laughs> Venus is in Pisces. Um, I'm about to go pray and do, you know, a little bit of ritual right after this. Um, I'm recording this on Friday. It's still Venus hour for a couple more minutes, uh, but I wanted to get this in. So yeah, fun episode for you. We're going to forecast the next two weeks um, with a great, great crew. Housekeeping I have for you is um, I have this workshop in New York City um, in Brooklyn on Saturday, April 23rd. And it's all about the astrology of relationships, and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> um, it's in person. It's at this really beautiful space I rented, um, and we're going to have some really delicious food and really great vibes. So we'll be together for four hours talking, wor- working through our charts and talking about the astrology of relationships and specifically like how we show up in relationships and kind of talking about some relationship challenges we might have and how we might be able to rework them and work through them um, based on our charts. And also it's just really about like, yeah, how we show up, how we show up in relationships and um, also looking at the chart in regards to other people and how the chart can describe other people in our lives um, specifically our one-on-one relationships and our romantic partnerships and, and yeah, how we can, um, find more harmony and less strife, um, by examining the chart in that way. So yeah, that's April 23rd. There's a two month payment plan, payment plan available. Um, there's only nine spots left and, um, there probably is even less now at this point since I last looked, but yeah, if you're interested, you should certainly join us. It's going to be really special. I don't really see myself doing anything like this again anytime soon. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do it um, in London, maybe maybe try to do it again in L.A. before the end of the year. But there's not going to really be many opportunities to hang out with me IRL like this. So um, if you're interested, I would certainly check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, other than that, we have, um, a publishing talk coming up for the 11th house. So if you're at all interested in publishing and you know how that works, whether it's through self-publishing or going through an agent, um, my book agent is coming in to talk to us about it, um, giving us a full presentation. He knows everything about publishing. Um, he runs multiple businesses doing this type of work, so he, is super well equipped to um, give us the lowdown. So that's happening on May 4th. May the 4th be with you. (laughs) I had to say it. Um, And that's going to be really cool. So that's our next 11th house workshop. Um, And then the doors open up very soon too. I'm going to be presenting a webinar, a totally free webinar on April 19th um, about improving your fluency in astrology and, um, yeah, what you can do to help increase your fluency and your literacy in astrology. Um, I'm stoked about that. So you can sign up for that as well. Again, totally free. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. I'll, I'll keep it a short in- intro for you guys so you can get into this episode. Um, I think you're going to really love it because we just had a really good vibe going on. <laughs> so yeah, um, enjoy. Hey folks, thanks for joining me today. How's it going? <laughs> Feeling pretty good. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to talk about this astrology with you all because, um, yeah, it's a it's a time, right? <laughs> it's definitely been um, a heavy week. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get started, um, most of you are new to the astrology show, so or the astrology show, Jesus. So I'm going to introduce you guys, or have you guys introduce yourselves. Um, but first, yeah, thank you so much to all the Eleventh Housers joining us live. Um, it's always fun to have you guys here. Feel free to chat in the chat, <laughs> ask any questions you want, um, and yeah, we're going to get started. So I guess. I guess to start, I, would, I, I should welcome back Patrick Watson to the show. Um, you just joined us a couple episodes ago with Leisha Shine to talk about zodiacal releasing. So, yeah, thanks for coming back. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me. It's yeah. Do you, do you want to um, share your SMR and a little bit about your practice for sure. folks who don't uh, know? Sure. I am a Libra sun, Scorpio moon and Leo rising. And I have been practicing astrology for nearly two decades. And I primarily do natal astrology, electional, horary, mundane, um, uh, financial <laughs> astrology. I <laughs> have my fingers in a lot yeah, I have my fingers in a lot of pies. My my techniques and background are in tropical uh, techniques, uh, use whole sign houses traditional rulerships and uh, many uh, Hellenistic timing techniques. So that's kind of uh, the, <laughs> the uh, broad overview of the type of astrology I practice. And, and you primarily do like consults too. You're, you don't really, do you do a lot of teaching? I, I do tutoring okay. uh, sessions. I also do consultations and uh, I also do rectifications and horaries and electionals uh, for yeah. people. I'm also going to be releasing a, a course in rectification with Chris Brennan. Oh, cool. um, so that's the only teaching I'm currently doing right now is sort of tutoring uh, a lot of students of Chris's course, basically. And uh, um, and then, yeah, the, the course I'm releasing on rectification with Chris Brennan Um but uh, who knows? Maybe I'll find time to do other things. I also do videos and articles and memes occasionally. So I, <laughs> I, yeah. I have a lot on my plate. <laughs> I was going to say, um, definitely check out Patrick's collection of articles because you have a pretty prolific like blog, basically, right? Right, right. Yeah, I'm not always uh, able to update it, but um, I do still update it. And uh, I'm trying to get more regular with my uh, content there. So I know I plans to get back into video soon at some point as well. Um, so I also have some old content on my YouTube, which is now very embarrassing. But you can see, find that all on my website at patrickwatsonastrology.com. Awesome. Cool. Excited about the rectification course. That's, that's dope. We need more people doing that. So awesome. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. Chris, welcome to the Astrology Show. Thank you for having me. 
This is my first time um, away. <laughs> no, go ahead. This is your first time oh, this is my first, here. Yeah, this is my first time here. This is my first time uh, ever recording. So thank you for the opportunity. Yay. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, we first, I think we first connected um, during like, like a year ago, basically, during the beginning of quarantine, right? Yep. Or two years ago? Jesus. Uh, yep. It's 2022. <laughs> it's, it's been two years. We've been years. in this for two years. <laughs> but... I got a chance to talk and interact with all of you through Twitter, especially as I was deep diving into Hellenistic astrology. And I'll uh, dive into a little about myself. I am a Scorpio sun, Capricorn moon, Sagittarius rising, and I practice tropical Hellenistic astrology. Mostly I do consults, uh, a little bit of synastry as well, but I'm not super, super um, into some of the other things. I'm still working on my ele- electional astro- astrology techniques and getting more into mundane astrology while also studying, and I recently started this, uh, Joytish as well. I want to expand my abilities so, so far. Um, awesome. So satirizing. <laughs> yep. I, I'm always uh, <laughs> joyful even when times aren't exactly the best. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, do we, I feel like, no, our birthdays aren't that close, right? I always forget when yours is. November 14th, 1988. Okay, yeah, they are very close. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah, because our sons are pretty closely yep. um, aligned. Okay, cool. I didn't realize we were having so much Scorpio. We all have Scorpio energy here, so that's so exciting. Um Awesome. And, and you do consults, you said, right? Yes. Uh, awesome. I, I also do a little bit of to tutoring on the side for uh, people interested in Hellenistic astrology, mostly in my lo- local astrology group. So, cool. And where are you located? I am from Detroit. Okay, uh, cool. Oh, yeah. Is there, is there like a nice community, astro community there? Well, for the most part, it's a bit uh, scattered, but there are some esoteric groups. Luckily, I moved into a great neighborhood where I was able to meet a bunch of my like fellow astros, tarot readers, a lot of other diviners. And so, so far, like I was the one most advanced in astrology, so I got around to teaching them and helping them understand astrology a bit more, especially during my time over quarantine. That's awesome. That's awesome. You, I bet you, I bet they were like picking your brain. <laughs> it's always fun when you like enter into other like spiritual groups and people are like are into astrology, but have no idea that it can go as deep as what we do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so they become like fascinated. I mean, it's been a great exchange. My former roommate was one of the best tarot readers I've ever had a chance to encounter. And she's the one who actually encouraged me to become a professional astrologer because a lot of the time I was just sitting on all the knowledge I had and I realized I was like oh I can actually do this especially um after having a few 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 clients and seeing them happy with everything and then all of my predictions working out it was just like that you know you feel empowered the first couple times you actually do it awesome well happy to have you thank you and SJ, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kira. Thanks for having me. Really nice to see you. Nice to be with you everyone. You too. Yeah, I also haven't seen you like you know face to face, video to video screen since um, early quarantine. 
Um, and that's when we first kind of connected too. I think you were in China, right? Or you had just come back from China, like right when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I left China right in late January 2020 when they were shutting down Wuhan and then coming to where I was living. And I just, I split to wait it out, so-called, and I never went back. So wow. <laughs> the <laughs> fate kind of stepped in. And now I'm living in Albania, um, which I really love it oh, here. Wow. Yeah, and, but yeah, I remember those, those, that party we all had when Saturn ingressed into Aquarius for the first time. And it was sort of a, some, some Twitter astrologers. We, that was a really, I have nostalgia for that, that, that uh, night. Yeah. It was a fun night. Yeah, that was really, that was, I think about that a lot too. That was really fun. So yeah, why don't you share your SMR if you're comfortable and more about your practice. You got it. Yeah, my SMR is um, uh, Aries Sun, <laughs> uh, Scorpio Moon. So uh, yeah, we all have that Scorpio and uh, Libra Rising. So um, and my practice, yeah, I'm a consulting astrologer. Um, you know, let's see here. What do I do? Uh, Hellenistic inspired, I, w- I would say. Um, maybe contemporary astrology. Um, I, you know, mainly focus on counseling and just kind of natal counseling, but obviously um, clients need elections, they need rectifications. If you do any kind of natal consultation, you'll have examples where you have to rectify on the fly. So I do, you know, those once a month, it's just, you have to, to be able to give a good consultation. Um, let me see in terms of, um, my interests, you know, I'm definitely interested in mundane astrology. I've written some articles about that for various publications. Um, I like some financial astrology as well. And I don't know, maybe that's, I like astrological history. I don't know, I'm interested in kind of contemporary um, cultural, um, you know, uh, where astrology fits in the culture and, the, and, the, and media is another a big interest of mine. But, uh, you know, I, I'm like everybody, it's just, there's so much to learn and so much to engage in. I love social media and how this community that we've had, especially in the last few years, as that's blown up, we've all got to kind of connect with each other all over the world. It's, uh, so um, let me see. The other thing I do is YouTube. I'm, I'm pretty active on YouTube. I have a weekly show, and um, that's been a really big part of my practice. Just I uh, love it. I love you know presenting via video and the way that allows me to get out into the world in front of a lot of people. Um, and Twitter is my first love, I guess, as an astrologer. So that's <laughs> how so I think I know everybody here from Twitter. So, yeah, yeah, um, love your tweets. I love when you do. You you do like really fun um, mundane threads, or just like kind of call out things that you know people might not be paying attention to so much. And I always really appreciate that. So. Yeah, SJs are actually all of you are really great Twitter follower follows. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone has it, isn't already following all three of you, um, yeah, this is a great crew for to talk about. You know the forecast. I think because you all do mundane way more than me. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Um, and I'm assuming all all three of you guys kind of know each other from Twitter as well. Oh, yeah. This is my first time meeting uh, Chris and SJ uh, over camera, but I've yeah I've interacted with them a few times on uh, Twitter. Cool. Um, my first astrology community was back on MySpace, so this is like the <laughs> <laughs> this is like the third social media you know uh, experience with uh, astrologers. But I've enjoyed Twitter a lot. It's definitely helped end my Facebook addiction. 
<laughs> I am using Twitter almost every day. Actually, Patrick, it was your video on Holstein Houses that I watched a couple years back that actually convinced me to leave behind Pl Placidus and Modern and take my Hellenistic journey. That's why I've always been a huge fan of yours for years. So it's a genuine pleasure to meet you. <laughs> that is such a huge compliment, and uh, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love oh, that. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's really awesome to hear. We're going to have to link that article down oh, below. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need it to, like, I need to kind of um, link it out to people, too. Because whenever people ask me, I'm just like, I, for me, it was, there was an astrology podcast episode that Chris did in like 2015 about Holstein houses being the best house system. And that's what got me to switch. And so I'm like, I'm always just linking that and your article will be good too. <laughs> oh yeah. It was a bit snarky if I remember. Uh, <laughs> As but, it should uh, yeah, be. But, um, you know, I it's a complicated discussion. I probably hold it a little more maturely now, just knowing the kinds of objections people have to have to it. But uh, yeah, I guess that is out there for people to link to. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about this astro. We're in Aries season. Um, where even are we? Okay, so it's <laughs> we're recording this on Friday, April eighth. Um, we're in Aries season. And we are coming off the, um, the Mars-Saturn conjunction at 22 degrees of Aquarius. Um, hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> um, two years ago, we talked about this in the last episode, so we won't talk too much about it. But I'm just curious if, if you guys have any good examples um, of, you know, things that happened this week around this conjunction, but like, and I, I certainly have one, but yeah, we had this conjunction, um, two years ago, I think it was March 31st, 2020, right at the beginning of, um, lockdown at zero degrees of Aquarius. Um, and yeah, very similar vibe, but this time I think it's worse <laughs> because, um, because they're at the bendings, Mars and Saturn are like right smack dab square, the nodal axis. And, I think it's making things weirder. Um, it's also just worse for me personally. My Mars is at 22 Scorpio, so I'm just getting wrecked right now by transits. Um, but yeah, this this conjunction, I'm curious if you guys have any cool um, antidotes or cool meaning hashtag astrologer good, because um, I definitely have one, which was on, I forget what month, it must have been... Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday morning. I only had like four hours of sleep. Um, I went to bed at like 4 a.m. Everything was fine. Woke up at like 8 a.m. to a horrible smell, <laughs> this terrible smell in my apartment. And I was like, what is that? What is that smell? Got up, went to the bathroom. Toilet won't flush. I'm not wearing my glasses. I'm like, what's going on? Um, and then mind you, the moon had just entered my fourth house. So I'm like, okay, I, I'm like, what does that smell? What does that smell? I look over into my bathtub and it's like, has a bunch of like dirty sewage water in it. Oh, I had no. just got my apartment cleaned the night, the day before, like less than 24 <laughs> hours before my apartment was cleaned and yeah, the toilet won't flush sewer water in my tub 
my beautiful clean tub. Um, and so for me, and then, yeah, it ended up being like plumbing issue. You know, there was a backup, <laughs> which is like, so Mars conjunct Saturn, um, you know, there's a backup and it was in my 12th house. So it's in the space where I'm like, not really aware of like what's happening. Um, and of course the South node right smack dab on my Mars as well. So yeah, that was, that was my, amongst other things, which I won't talk about, but <laughs> that was one of the like, <laughs> you know, very obvious Mars Saturns. Um, I'm wondering, yeah, do you guys have any stories around that, whether it's personal or mund mundane? Uh, I have a personal. I do. Oh, go ahead. Patrick, <laughs> Yo, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Chris. Chris first. Chris first. All right. So, unfull, full, fortunately, big, being assessed, Sag rising, this Mars Saturn conjunction was all in my Caden third house. Square. My son is also at 22, 22 degrees Scorpio. So, mostly, it was just this idea of like, it was being inextricably angry like I, I was at my other job and it just felt like things were not working out at all um like uh the water went out like i'm also a prep cook and one of my day, day jobs alongside being an esl to tutor and it was just like the water in the building completely cut cut off we couldn't do anything it just felt like everything was starting and stopping people were kind of consistently kind of coming in and just being angry all the time, and just I was just watching the sheer frustration of the people ar around me, and it was so uncomfortable and weird at the, at the same time. And a bit on the per personal side, I had a lot of things that I had been burying, like in the back of my mind, just come up. Like you know those realizations that happen when you're not really thinking about anything. Um, I had a whole lot of things come up about a recent breakup I had, and it just everything started cl clicking, even when I didn't really want it to. And it was just <laughs> dealing with, I, I described that entire time of just like dealing with like rage and grief, like people wanting things and just couldn't, and it not happening for them and within myself as well. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> that, that feels spot on. I mean, I was, I said on Twitter, I, I personally think that this Mars Saturn fixed, I've been calling it um, the male yeah, malefic madness, but just the fixed stuff happening. I feel like it's, I personally think it's probably worse for mutable risings. Like having it, the fixed stuff happening in cadent houses is so hard. <laughs> it's really, really difficult. Um, but we'll see what the, the cardinal and fixed risings say about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I hope I don't make this too heavy, but um, I, uh, I'll try to keep the the abridged version. Basically, the Mars-Saturn conjunction just occurred in my seventh house, very close to my descendant. And I just got back from the hospital about a day ago because my wife had a serious medical issue mm -hmm. um, that uh, came about at the time of the conjunction. So... You know, something to remember when you're looking at a transit that happens in your seventh house is not always like, oh, a, a malefic's going through my seventh house. That means relationship problems. It's literally your partner. So it can be things that is happening to the partner. So it happened to my wife. And uh, so she's made a recovery. 
Um, but the kind of the slightly larger story that makes it even more impressive in context of the whole Mars-Saturn cycle is that the other thing that occurred in the week or so leading up to the conjunction is that both me and my wife decided to try this alternate day fasting plan, which is where you fast for a whole day and then you eat regularly for a day and then you fast the next day and just continue doing that. Well, you know, I can do that because I have some extra meat on me. So like I can afford to do that. And uh, it, even though I really, really struggled, you know, doing is like, I felt very, very hungry over this Mars sagging job. I was hangry. <laughs> like I was not doing so hot. Uh, but for my wife, it was much, much harder on her and it was too hard on her. And she wasn't mm. really eating enough even on the days she was supposed to be eating. But the reason why this kind of makes sense in terms of the larger Mars cycle is that um, at the last Mars Saturn square back in November, I myself um, had a kind of a medical issue that seemed to have come about from just just too much sitting at the computer, too many hours logged, like being jacked in and not really getting enough exercise that made me kind of worried about like my heart health. And at the Mars Saturn opposition, in July of 2020, that was when um, we uh, we had to stop going to the gym because the COVID cases started coming back up again. Because mm. for a brief period in July, you know, when Jupiter had just like dipped its toe into mm-hmm. Pisces, you know, it looked like things might be good. So we went back to the gym. And then, of course, March 2020 was when my wife and I stopped going to the gym again because of the beginning of COVID. I forget exactly what happened at the January 2021 initial Mars square, but that's the way it seems to make sense for me and my wife. The fact that the Mars Saturn conjunction was happening in the seventh house, we had to stop, you know, our activities in going to the gym. And then there was Cotel again, the next opposition and this other health scare in November. And then finally, you know, this starting this alternate day fasting at the Mars Saturn conjunction, not, not recommended. Uh, it's pretty hardcore. Um, so there's, that's, you know, it, that's just the way Mars and Saturn are. The interesting thing, of course, about this is that my wife was also born with Leo rising. So um, the same Mars-Saturn conjunctions were also happening in her seventh. Um, so it's weird how it's sort of both, it involved kind of both of us, but it seemed to have hit her harder um, for, for whatever reason, even though we were both kind of involved in the events that was related to this uh, conjunction of the malefics. So... Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> that is wow. my story with uh, Mars and Saturn lately. I haven't even been able to really keep track of the news because I've just, you know, I've been yeah. just recovering oh. from the past day of uh, yeah. uh, being in the hospital. Oh, I'm glad she's recovering and I hope yeah. she continues to. That's yeah. always scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Yeah, but thanks for walking us through that whole timeline, though, because it does make sense that, you know, you stopped being able to go to the gym two years ago at this conjunction and then all the right. subsequent squares, oppositions kind of, you know, told the story. Uh, yeah. yeah. Damn. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. SJ, SJ, fix, come on. Fix wins over <laughs> mutable so far. Lighten this up. All right. SJ. I got a lighten one, actually, and it and actually dovetails nicely. I hope your wife recovers very soon, Patrick. Um, uh, yeah. But this one's lighter. This one's a little lighter, but it does have to do with other people because... My um, fifth house is where Mars and Saturn conjoined, and 
I live where there's a lot of children in Albania. There's a, it's a very young country, but these kids are playing all the time around me in my apartment. They don't ever talk to me, save for one time they threw an egg at my window when I first moved in and I had to clean it up and then they confront. We had this whole thing before. They've never done anything like that again. But I'm walking home and they start speaking to me in Albanian. And I, so I look up and I didn't think they were talking to me initially, but they were. I walk over and this little boy and this little girl, and I think about it as Mars and Saturn as maybe feminine. Uh, if you think about that, and they were struggling with the bike, they needed my help to to undo the bike, uh, just something on the bike, because they, they weren't strong enough. So I did it for them, and then the little girl, it was a cool image, she had dirty hands, they were having fun and playing, and she was like twisting it back, and she got it back, and then she closed it back herself. But that, um, that was a cool example of like their struggle, their Mars-Saturn Mars struggle. I kind of play the role of a, both Mars and Saturn in that moment which was fun. The other one I'll say is, and there's a lot more, I have the moon at 23, uh, Scorpio, so I've been mm -hmm. calling it Max Payne, Akira, that's been my co code for people. <laughs> Max and, and Max Payne, it's now dissipating, but it returns, we should remind everybody in, in August, mm -hmm. there's a return of this, so to get ready for that. Um, the one other thing I just wanted to mention was that this story out of China, because um, Mars, Saturn conjoining and Aquarius, of course, coincides with lockdowns in 2020 but we had the return of lockdowns. It wasn't in the Western world and as widely publicized, but in China, there was some massive lockdowns in Shanghai, uh, one of the largest cities in China. Um, and there was this story that came out about the drone that was appearing to residents as they were singing. And the drone, this is a translation from a blue check on Twitter, a journalist, so I'm, I'm trusting it, but please comply with COVID restrictions. Control your soul's desire for freedom. Do not open the window or sing. And I thought that was really cool because in the context of the Mars-Saturn conjunction, we have Jupiter and Venus now together, and this happened right, they happen right simultaneous. And so I really like the Venus-Jupiter story of being kind of a soul's desire for freedom maybe, but you know, concomitant with the Mars-Saturn, there's this kind of dual track thing happening right now. And um, so anyway, that's, that was one mundane thing that appeared on my radar that was like, okay, this is pretty, pretty perfect for a Mars-Saturn conjunction, especially in the recent historical context. Um, and I have a bunch of stuff I won't talk about either, just to just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save the audience. No. <laughs> yeah. good, good point, though, about, you know, Saturn will come back um, to 22 two more times. <laughs> well, and Mars will be um, in Taurus with the node somewhat close. Like, these three major right. points all come back. That's the... Mm -hmm. With Uranus, yeah. And um, the south node kind of hangs out at 22. Uh, well, the nodes kind of hang out at 22 until like July, too. So we're kind of lagged here for a little bit. The one kind of saving grace we have right now is that, you know, those of us with planets, especially those of us with planets at 22 Scorpio, 23 Scorpio, it's like we're getting, we're getting crushed right now by the malefics and the nodes, but... Jupiter is also right there, kind of sending some love to Jupiter right now is at 23, um, trying that point. So for me, it's been this like very intense battle between Saturn and Jupiter to like Saturn being like, all hope is lost, like you're doomed. And then <laughs> Jupiter being like, you must retain faith, like 
there's so much to be, you know, thankful for, you know? And so I've been really, I'm trying to stick, stick with Jupiter here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting kind of, yeah, it's trying to like balance the benefic blessings with the malefic madness, um, especially because they don't interact with each other. So yeah, interesting times we have. <laughs> um, and of course, yeah, Venus is in Pisces now. So yeah, that was actually, I woke up the, the, the minute that Venus entered Pisces to that like sewage issue. So I was like, really, like, really Venus, really? <laughs> but she helped smooth it out quickly, at least. Um, so yeah, let's talk about some of this upcoming astro. Um, I don't really want to talk about Mercury sextile Mars cause I just don't like talking about sextiles that much with <laughs> fast moving planets. Um, but on Sunday, April 10th, we have Mercury squaring Pluto and then peace and out entering Taurus. Um, any thoughts about Mercury square Pluto Mercury? I think Pluto's at like 28 Capricorn. So Mercury, um, meeting, meeting Pluto in that square at 28 Aries before, I think like 12 hours later hopping into Taurus. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts on Mercury square Pluto? Uh, I've been thinking a few things about that, mostly looking at markets and just the heavy inflation that's been going on in the U.S. I feel like more things are going to, as Pluto tends to pull almost all the, the, the dark things out of any planet that it, it interacts with, I'm definitely seeing more more su 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 stock market. I wouldn't say necessarily man manipulation, but the consequences of artificial infiltrating uh, of the, the, the market and more devaluing of the, the, the U.S. The dollar. Mm. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, um, one of the things I actually talked about this recently on uh, the February forecast with the astrology podcast. Uh, basically, what I've noticed with these major uh, angular separations between Mercury and Pluto is uh, there tend to be stories in the news about uh, profound disclosures or people leaks of things that were known about only in private and the announcement of, of things that are potentially sort of incendiary or or uh, otherwise sort of controversial. And it also features times when people are, people uh, switch sides or people uh, cross certain barriers in their declaration of a, or a kind of a temporary union with their opponents. Uh, so you sometimes see this in a political context where you have people from one party maybe voting for an initiative which is supported by another one because Mercury is kind of that ambiguous turncoat. So when it's in, uh, you know, a tense aspect with Pluto, then it kind of does that to a sort of extreme degree. One of the things that I'm sort of connecting that upcoming square between Mercury and Pluto with is the French election, which takes place, uh, the first round of which takes place on April 10th. And um, the current French president, Emmanuel Macron, has Pluto currently transiting exactly in the degree of his ascendant. Mm -hmm. So when Mercury makes that square, as people are casting their votes, I think this will reflect the the voting public of uh, France in kind of declaring their support for him, which is interesting because uh, you know his his support kind of cuts across the left and the right. 
mm-hmm. in France. It's a very weird coalition of people uh, who support him. And so uh, you also may see some strategic voting in that day because they, in France, the uh, they have like two vo- uh, rounds of voting, which are um, basically voting for the, the top two. And then those top two have like a second round where they run mm-hmm. off against each other a few weeks later. So... Uh, that's one of the things I'm kind of uh, anticipating with that Mercury-Pluto square is um, the French public uh, kind of crossing lines and kind of strategically voting to give uh, Macron the you know the validation to go into the next round of voting. One small thing I wanted to add about Mercury sextile Saturn, even though you didn't want to talk about it, is just that I thought it was very interesting very recently on Twitter that there's there's been this meme about you know post your cancelable take. And that (laughs) happened as Mercury itself was separating from Saturn and applying that uh, uh, sextile to Mars. So Mercury's enclosed by the malefics. And so people are kind of, you know, posting these like bad takes on purpose. (laughs) Um, So anyway, that's what I'd have to say on a more like mundane level about Mercury, Pluto and stuff. Cool. That's, yeah, I... Thanks for putting that on our radar in regards to the election. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't know. Um, wow, it's on his ascendant. That's yeah, that's wild. I, yeah, I wrote. A, I just recently published an article with my prediction for the uh, French presidential cool. election. So we'll have to see if I'm right. Uh, but I think French, the French, current French president, I think will be reelected to a second term. Cool. Cool. Any thoughts, SJ, on the on the Mercury square or or um, Mercury and Taurus? Sure, I've got a few thoughts on Mercury and Taurus. You know, Mercury square Pluto a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. Uh, I do want to just say um, this inflation story. Watch for it when Mercury comes into Taurus, because on the twelfth um, there will be the release of CPI numbers in America that should be record-breaking highs because. The last release of that data was 8% year-over-year inflation, which was a re- like a 40-year record or something. But it didn't include all of the gas increases that happened after mm-hmm. the Ukrainian conflict you know, emerges. And so I think that we could see headlines early next week about inflation that are going to return. And of course, with Mercury in Taurus co-present with that Uranus, we're getting the kind of shocks that can come with the Uranus and Taurus story that's, of course, a lot longer than just one Mercury transit, but that's that's on my radar. And I think the second thing, um, as Mercury was applying to Pluto, uh, just to uh, follow up with what you were sharing, Patrick, I, I'm seeing stories today about uh, Mitt Romney. You know, he was clapping and all of the other Republicans in the Senate left um, when they confirmed Justice Jackson. And so there was, there was a sort of... Um, if you want to call that turncoat, at least from maybe a Republican perspective, I, I just I, right. I was resonating with that as you shared there, Patrick. The only other thing I'd say about um, Mercury sextile Mars is that I feel like this is an important moment because of how um, how strong Aries is activated this year. I mean, we're really and, and really next this year, next year, and if you want to extend it out with the Node North Node and then Saturn and Aries. I mean, Aries in our charts is it's really going to be a big story, I think, for the next few years. And we have Mercury received by its ruler Mars at this at this exact moment. It's separating, I think, as 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 of the recording of this. But it might be a good time to do some planning. You know, I like Mercury Mars combinations for just planning and. Um, thinking about this six weeks this summer where it's 
Jupiter and Mars, the only time they'll be together in Aries for all of Jupiter's time in Aries, which is kind of a special opportunity. But so with Mercury there now, maybe there's a little bit of last minute planning we can do this weekend before it ingresses into Taurus, mm -hmm. thinking about all of that Aries um, energy. That's a really great point. Yeah. Yeah. And just to kind of um, ex explain that a little further, we have the reason that we have so much Aries happening I'm going to ignore Chiron because I just choose to exist. It's not on top of my moon right now. Um, <laughs> but we have um, uh, Jupiter moving into Aries May 10th, and then Mars gets there at the end of May. Um, yeah, at the end of May. And then, yeah, Jup they'll be together for six weeks. Jupiter will be there until the end of October, coming back in December to, you know, take a full transit through Aries. Um, and then after that, we'll, we will get the nodes also switching into Aries Libra. Um, so yeah, there is a lot happening there. Ooh, that's cool to kind of think, you know, long-term in that way. Um, okay, cool. You guys, you guys convinced me that maybe I should pay attention to the fast moving sextiles. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Mercury and Taurus, um, maybe I shouldn't say I'm excited about it, but um, I think it's it's an interesting transit. We're going to get a really cute sextile between Mercury and Venus um, while Venus is in Pisces and Mercury is in Taurus. That happens Sunday, the 17th of April. Um, and, and of course, Mercury will also run into a sextile with um, Jupiter and Neptune as well. So... And that one, I guess, is a little bit... Is, no, I guess it's not extended because by the time Mercury comes back into Taurus, Jupiter will be gone. Um, so yeah, we just get that one time. But yeah, okay. So also, just so everyone kind of has it in their head, Mercury will retrograde back into Taurus. It's going to enter Gemini um, the day of that eclipse on the 30th and then stop at four degrees, come back. I think... I don't know what it comes back to like 26 degrees or something. I think it's 26, yeah. Because it comes back into a square with Saturn, which is annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess, what else did I want to talk about after that? Oh, of course, Jupiter-Neptune conjunction that we have happening this weekend. Um, well, it perfects on Tuesday the 12th of, of April. Um, but yeah, it's kind of on right now. They're they're at twenty three degrees together. Um, this, you know, this one I've been I've been looking forward to slash really nervous about. <laughs> Mostly nervous about, um, and I've seen it kind of playing out even just on Twitter. But there the delusions, you know, just like the massive amounts of like delusional shit that. <laughs> that comes about with, with when Neptune transit, especially when planets run into Neptune. Um, and even like what something I've witnessed recently is like people like, Oh, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it, but just people kind of distorting and projecting and being delusional about things that <laughs> I'm just like, wow. Okay. Planets are square the nodes you know, Jupiter is conjunct Neptune. What are y'all talking about? Um, <laughs> and I particularly was kind of worried about cults 
um, and the rise of, you know, cults in, in the zeitgeist, which I think is happening already, but, um, it's a weird, you know, it's, it's a weird time for cults because it's like the internet exists and there's these weird, like TikTok cults, you know, and these like, you know, more internet type cults. There's one that I was, um, looking into that's like a dance cult. Um, and it's like this weird, like, I guess they're Christian or some type of religious, spiritual, you know, thing. Um, but they, the members are all have these like really big TikTok accounts and they all are dancers and they like dance and they like spread the word by doing these intense TikTok dances. And people are like trying to, you know, my sister's in this cult, like trying to get her out. It's wild. And to me, that is just so like Jupiter, Neptune in Pisces, like a dance cult, <laughs> like a dance Christian <laughs> TikTok cult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Curious about you guys' thoughts about this Jupiter, Neptune conjunction. Um, as a fellow Jupiterian rising, I've mostly been afraid of being deluded myself. Um, my On my personal experience, it's come up with just like, you know how, how you jokingly hear about people seeing angel numbers all the time or the same repeating numbers over and over again, people thinking that they're having meetings? It's like I've been seeing them nonstop. But the one thing I've seen on a mundane level that's been kind of annoying and funny is, have you seen those channel messages for, for Zodiac signs all up and down Twitter and they won't go away? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's just like... It, almost every single time I open up Twitter, it's like, hey, this is an important message, X, Y, Z, and just seeing that over and over, and just people falling for it over and over and over again. And, and a, a lot of the messages feel to, to targeted, giving a false kind of hope, like, oh, your ex is go, go, going to come back, or, or you're going to get money if you just, you know, if you see the, these numbers and stuff, so stuff like that over and over again. And I, that, picking back off saying, like, cults and stuff, is just, I've seen more and more people deep dive into, I don't want to call it, I, I never, I never want to say that somebody's spirituality is kind of fake, but it just feels like there's something off about it that like the message is correct. Like the, the Jupiterian, like, like the, the message is there, but with Neptune there, it just feels like it's getting blurred and people are misunderstanding, especially what Sometimes it, what, what astrology is about, their connection to the planets and so on and so 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 forth. There's just like it's a little bit weird, but be, be beyond that, it's just been, you know, that that moment where like, am I am I seeing signs of something or am I just going crazy? And that's kind of what been my experience. The right? angel numbers <laughs> have been loud for me too, in a sense that like I usually like I. I'm not saying I subscribe, but I do pay attention. You know, I've always kind of been into numerology, but like, I don't remember a time since like, you know, before the last two weeks where I was looking at 1111 every, you know, both 1111s every day for like the past like two weeks. I'm like, why is this happening? You know, it, it does, it does feel very like Jupiter, Neptune, like, the angels like, are everywhere. <laughs> these weird sort of spiritual experience. I've been seeing 333 and 444 all the time, and it's been, you know, kind of freaky for me. But More than usual, it, yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah. 
How many uh, how many more documentaries can Netflix release about swindlers <laughs> yes. and frauds and cons? Exactly. You know, from, from the uh, Tinder swindler to the 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 vegan one. I can't even keep track. There's just so many. Uh, there's just so much. Uh, you know, talk talk about you know things being in the zeitgeist. That there's definitely this. Um, I don't know this moment of almost celebrating, uh, not necessarily positively, but you know, Jupiter in some ways, like sort of celebrating the swindler, the con, the fraud, and um, or at least expanding, you know, awareness of it and an interest in it. And uh, so I think that's really fascinating. Um, also, when you look at Jupiter Neptune cyclically, you can see that it has this connection to uh, these, you know, large developments in film. Um, and so, like, for example, the last Jupiter-Neptune conjunction was when Avatar came out, the highest grossing film ever made, this immersive mm. experience. And the Avatar 2 sequel is being released this year um, wow. when Jupiter-Neptune are close together again in, in Pisces towards the end of the year. And it's even happening in the sign of Pisces, and it's set underwater. Um, wow. So uh, one of the other things that happened in 2009 in the last Jupiter-Neptune conjunction that I thought was very interesting is that was when Disney bought Marvel. And mm. both Stan Lee and the Disney Corporation were formed under the same Jupiter-Neptune square from back in the mid-20s. Um, so... There's this whole like Jupiter Neptune theme with like Disney and Marvel and Star Wars. Um it all basically are, you know, big media, big Hollywood um uh corporations and initiatives that I, I think would potentially reflect in um uh, this current moment, this current Jupiter Neptune conjunction potentially being a time of another big acquisition uh by um one of these companies or or other sort of uh, changes in in uh, media that that uh, might ar- might arise uh this time based on knowing about this uh, cycle and it's also very interesting knowing that um you know for for Marvel that they're releasing this uh you know Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness dealing with multiple universes multiple mm. timelines different variations it kind of gives you this idea of like oh like you know, <laughs> Neptune and Pisces, you know, it keeps showing us uh, the potential of alternate worlds and alternate realities through, you know, the medium of TV. And we even saw that with, you know, TV shows like Loki or even shows that came out like uh, Stranger Things, the upside mm. down versus the real world. Um, Russian Dolls coming back yeah. soon, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, this is definitely, I think, uh, this will be looked back upon probably as a kind of a high pop culture moment. Um, and they maybe even other things that come to uh, consciousness that I couldn't even uh, anticipate. But um, that's what I kind of see for like Jupiter Neptune in terms of like media, Hollywood, entertainment industry type stuff. On the other hand, um, I also it's I think many people have already pointed this out already. Um, maybe SJ can speak more about this about the fact that the last time Jupiter was conjunct Neptune, Russia took an L. Um, mm. Would you Let's like to speak more. more about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. One of the number one things I've been talking about it a lot. And I, Nick Dagan best tweeted this out, and it's kind of been on my radar since he put that front and center. But the Crimean War, there was this peace treaty in 1856, right when they were separating. But there, it was negotiated, I think, over a, a period of a month when they actually perfected. And so, 
I, I'm not uh, up enough on the history of it to to know exactly like the, the context is that Russia took a loss. I've been focused more on it's just it, there's a um, agreement around literally Crimea, the, you know, this area of the world where there's currently a conflict. And I'm, so I've been holding out optimism, knowing that, 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 that this phase of the, this conflict maybe comes to an end here for a while. Now, that's a whole other story about what, like, the um, omens for warfare over the next five to ten years, because there's a lot of them. I would say when Jupiter comes back into Pisces, that's something that's really on my radar at the end of the year for things may be falling apart or a return to this kind of Cold War posturing because Jupiter in Pisces, Saturn in Aquarius is the Cuban Missile Crisis um, uh, marker if you just look at the Jupiter-Saturn mm -hmm. cycle. But yeah, I'm, I'm, this is the one, one thing that was on my radar um, for sure. The other thing I wanted to point out was um, Leaves of Grass, Walt Whitman's uh, book, first published in 1885 but then published again in 18. Sorry, 1855 first, and then 1856. He edited the rest of his life, but it emerges even the first time with Jupiter in Pisces, Neptune in Pisces. And so I just think that, that the poetic, you know, I mean, I know it's a, how are we dealing with, like, I'm, for me, this is all about the recent history of the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, the pileups in Capricorn in March 2020, the Jupiter-Saturn co-present cycle, and how tough that was on everybody. I mean, that was such a, tear in the kind of fabric of our comfort zone collectively and so this is happening as we're now kind of coming out of it and I think we're grappling with things like you know who are we as humans I mean especially if we're in lockdown and now we're re-emergent and it's kind of scary and weird and strange to be in 21st century second decade of the century and you know I was thinking the other thing about the metaverse as a technology as a media technology that really does come to the radar fully those three months that Jupiter was in Pisces with Neptune last year and then of course it's now powering through with metaverse and blockchain and all all of the stuff that that's going to eventually be is emergent and so you know on the one hand um, I'm there's some optimism of like stepping into the unknown I know it's scary I don't know what this is going to look like but trying I'm trying to personally do this of like this is some cool stuff we're going to get to have to, to have access to in the age of Aquarius so called so that's controversial in this age <laughs> of a an Aquarius Saturn Jupiter in Aquarius and in the age of air of Saturn and Jupiter conjoining in air signs um, so that's kind of the optimistic side. We might have to dissipate a little bit from form, like the former sense of what we thought we were, you know, and that's mm. exciting, uh, but scary and terrifying, you know, so um, mm. those are a few thoughts that I have. Grief was the other thing that was been a big theme for this that's been on my radar, even like last year when I was writing about it because of the sadness of, of COVID and the losses and everything we've gone through. It's really a grief. There's a grief moment here. I think that maybe we can feel into that a little bit um, this week and, and then it climaxes, of course, with the eclipse really jamming that signature in with an imprint. Even though it's separating, it's still there in that, that eclipse moment. So I think we're building to yeah. that eclipse, really. But. That's a really great point, yeah. Especially about grief, too. I think that's, that's definitely been a theme. Um, and it makes me think about how in just a year we have Saturn moving into Pisces. And I kind of think of that also as a pretty big grief, grief signature as well. That um that Saturn and Pisces millennial generation they feel like they're always grieving something, <laughs> and that's not shade. I just that that um that subgroup is so deeply feeling, um and a lot of them have you know Scorpio placements too that kind of feed into that. But 
Yeah, and just thinking about how, you know, we're in this Pisces season now and how next year we'll have Saturn. <laughs> we'll have Saturn there too and um, what that might be like. But yeah, I think, you know, one other thing I'll just add to this is that, um, yeah, just there's the grief side and there's the faith side. And I think that with this, you know, Jupiter, Neptune, also Venus being there, it's just like Pisces, it's, it's Pisces land right now in Pisces. Like it's the most Pisces it's going to be right <laughs> with, um, both benefics there, um, with Neptune. So it is very, um, magical. It's very, I think, spiritual. I think that, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people taking drugs this weekend and, and, you know, tapping into that, <laughs> tapping into that, um, very, it's a, it's a psychedelic signature, you know? So whether you're taking drugs or not, I'm sure you're going to feel it one way or another, just kind of like, yeah, shape-shifting, world-shifting world sort of energy. Um, and it's also really wet. <laughs> it's also just really sticky, um, I think syrupy in a good way. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, syrupy, yeah, honey. Honey um, it makes me think of like, yeah, the nectar, nectar of the gods. And I just think it's really important to, um, especially with the malefic madness to like lean into that because, um, yeah, we need the, we need to take the edge off a little bit, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just pausing real quick cause I have to plug in my computer. So I'm going to grab my oh. charger real quick. If you're, if it, don't, don't touch anything. Let your, let yourself still go. All right. There's still people here watching us, right? So we can't just completely oh, no. turn off. It. No, no dead, dead air. Uh, I'll say, I'll just add something in here. I had an astrologer that I met with here today, and she was talking about um, the draconic, some draconic astrology just came under my radar today. And I maybe, it, just as an aside, anybody worked with that before um, or, or thought about, oh, she's back. Actually, maybe give that, me one second. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Like, I've heard of it, but I've never really, you know, I'm not sure how, how it's exactly practiced. I, I believe it's, it's something with the nodes or so. It's a... A zodiac where you you refer, you recalculate the zodiac based on the placement of the nodes, and I just think about like this sidereal versus tropical debates. Well, I think we need to say versus draconic now. Maybe add that into the mix, and let's see what happens on Twitter. You know. <laughs> oh, that's just pure chaos. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I haven't actually uh, practiced like it as a separate kind of astrology, but I mean, I've often thought of the nodes as kind of like a global ascendant. You know, mm. because you have one you have one node which is ascending and the other which is descending, with like the ascendant the descendant. And because, you know, that's the meeting point of the two luminaries, uh, it makes sense that it's, um, you know, these almost represent sort of uh, entry points or something to the broader world or, you know, mass consciousness or whatever. So I think uh, you could you could look at a chart. You could uh, look at the relative positions of the planets to those points is you know approximately equivalent to like uh, a natal chart in a sense but um anyway we gotta yeah that's a, that's a whole <laughs> conversation sorry, yeah. sorry. <laughs> all right i'm gonna i'm gonna 
<laughs> I'm going to keep going. Yeah. All righties. Um, another, another plan that's coming to join the Pisces party. I, I've been calling it like Jove's hot tub. Um, <laughs> so Mars enters Pisces. Thank God. I'm sorry. I'm so, I hate Mars at Aquarius so much, just personally, not like the placement itself, but I'm so sick of it. And especially cause Saturn's there, but it's just such a like not good place for Mars. I think it like dignity wise, <laughs> I'm just like, get your ass into the hot tub. Oh no, uh, <laughs> I, I feel, feel, feel that having Mars in my th- th- third house is in just the sheer amount of aggression for, for, from Aries this season. I've been cussed out over just regular things. I got cussed out on my way to gig, getting lunch uh, for, from a little local r- 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 restaurant. So, so some lady was upset that me and my friend parked too close to her car. And it was just all, all of a sudden just her honking and just cussing us out for like 10 minutes. I had enough time to go and get my order, come back, and she was still... <laughs> that is so Mars Saturn in the third. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, and on the 14th, Thursday, April 14th, Mars is going to enter Pisces. Dignity switch. You know, Mars has dignity in Pisces. Um, being a nocturnal planet and Pisces being a water sign, a nocturnal sign. Um, Mars has triplicity there. Um, and also... There's decanic rulership, I think, on the, the last decan. The third one. The third decan. Yeah. Um, and it has this larger set of bounds in yes. uh, Pisces. In fact, yeah, it's really kind of a curiously <laughs> overpowered place in some ways. For yeah. Mars. I always think about you look for um, Austin Kopic and his his son Mars in Pisces and how he, um, he always talks about, he does like martial arts and he kicks. <laughs> he always talks about kicking. <laughs> with Mars he's and obsessed Pisces. with UFC, right? He's, yeah. He's always talking about wrestling and stuff. Yeah. yeah so, um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about Mars and Pisces a little bit, because I think this is something I often see online where people think that they have a debilitated Mars because it's in Pisces for some reason. Um, <laughs> or, or, you know, they think that's like a bad place for Mars. And I'm like, this is a great place for Mars. Um, Mars does well in water signs. So, so yeah, SJ, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah, I love, I mean, just right, right away uh, speaking about Jupiter and Mars, big mixing there together because they, they're on a special team of the water sign, um, fire sign team. It's a, it's a way to divide the planets, but basically Jupiter, the luminaries, and Mars rule by domicile water signs and fire signs. And so there's this kind of special relationship, I think, with Jupiter and Mars that they can join and, and, and do some cool things. One, and two, they're preparing together to get very active in that six weeks this summer. And so I really like this as kind of the simmering, the set, like the cleansing, you know, the ritual bath even before it's go time in terms of mm. like the final like evening, let's say, with your comrades, or, or maybe that's a bad word, but just the team that you're going to go out and undertake an adventure with. You get some settling together, the final party, the final cleanse. Um, the other thing I'll say is, this is how I've been thinking about it recently, because you'll have Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Neptune. If we want to just go ahead and say Neptune is a domicile ruler, modern, modern, but it's part of this 
current uh, symbolism that we have in astrology, um, you'll have the four rulers, right? The four main rulers, Venus, Jupiter, Neptune, and Mars using those triplicity rulers. And I, I've been thinking, you guys seen Peaky Blinders? Uh, this is a recent show on the BBC. If you haven't seen that, you can think about The Godfather, but there's these idea of the family meeting, the family convenes, mm. right? To, to, to decide the affairs of their, their family house. And so I, I think this is a really a generational opportunity for the Pisces sector of our charts, just on, on this one hand to make some decisions around those house topics. You know, like for me, it's sixth house. I've been doing a lot of fasting, not this version, Patrick. I've just been doing that one meal a day fasting. I really love it. Or like just a few hours uh, pocket where I eat and that's all of my sixth house and it's been part of my story. But I think with them four together, I'm viewing it as kind of a power move, decisions being made by the family of rulers um, mm -hmm. is one way to look at it. But yeah, that's, those are a few thoughts. That's really cool. Wow. I, haven't, I haven't thought about it that way, but I love that, like a family meeting. I, I'm thinking, I keep picturing a steam room or like going to, you know, the spa or something and all kind of, yeah, the sauna, <laughs> exactly. And like kind of convening together there. Um, but wow, yeah, that's a really great point. It's, it's making me I, think a lot, about a lot of things. <laughs> I'll say it's very literal in my case, since Pisces is my full fourth house. And a lot of me deciding whether or not I'm going to stay in my home city or move someplace else. I think is would be a little bit better for for, for me career wise. Mm -hmm. mm. It's uh, happening in my eighth house, so you know I'm picking out my casket. No, just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> say, are you redoing you your will? <laughs> no, no. I was struck though by the way you described uh, that as a family meeting, SJ, because um, uh, one thing that's happening with me right now is uh, we I have some really huge decisions to make about uh, a windfall that I've come into through selling my house. And we're trying to decide right now whether or not to put all the money we got into the new house or whether we should only put a certain amount down in the mortgage so we could have some liquid. And this is probably the only kind of windfall I'll ever have in my whole life. So I, you know, this is kind of a pretty big decision about like, you know, how much is going to remain liquid, how much is going to be tied up with a house. And I'll, I acknowledge my privilege in even being a homeowner to begin with. It was a very unlikely Especially as a millennial. process, <laughs> right? It was a very, it was very, un, it was a very unlikely thing that I kind of walked into it. Um, it was mainly my wife who did all like the hard work of it. But, um, but uh, the fact that it's in my eighth house and it has to do with shared resources um, this is a time where we really are kind of under the gun now to uh, find a house, to settle on one, and to decide how much of the money is going to remain liquid or, and then how much could be invested uh, or just in its general savings or how much would be tied up in a, in a property. Hmm. So um, that's, um, you know, I guess uh, benefic problems. <laughs> uh, I like that, though. Love that, though. <laughs> For, for me, it's my first, and I guess it is pretty apt because I am, I, I, I predicted that with this eclipse or this nodal cycle that I would be shifting some things in terms of my astrology practice because I came to astrology, I saw my birth chart for the first time um, during this eclipse cycle. Um, and yeah, the, the North Note was exactly on my son the first time I saw my birth chart. 
And so I was anticipating that and I'm still in that space of like, what's next, you know? And especially because Jupiter also rules my 10th house um, and my Mercury is up. My Mercury is activated right now by perfection on my midheaven. So there's a lot of like, who am I and what am I doing next sort of vibe happening for me right now. And um, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything now just because I really truly don't know <laughs> what I'll be doing. Um, but I, I'm starting to get some ideas and some inklings around like, yeah, what's next? What's after astrology? Um, not to say that I'm like for sure leaving astrology, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's, what's coming next. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about. So yeah, first house stuff is weird. I think especially for me, I have nothing in my first house and my chart ruler is in detriment in the seventh. And so when things come to my first, I'm just like, I have to focus on myself. Like what, what's identity? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I only know who I am when I'm with you, you know what I mean? So, oh, no, so I yeah, it's close level. to it. <laughs> <laughs> I also have my, yeah. my, my Jupiter in the de detriment in the seventh retrograde. So it's like, uh, I kind of do need people to bounce off of to figure mm -hmm. out who I am, what I'm doing. Though I do have Uranus conjunct my ascendant, so sometimes I just pop off and do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you Uranus risings! Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for Mars and Pisces. I mean, last <laughs> the last time Mars was in Pisces, I had a, and it crossed my ascendant. It was the same exact day as my exact. Saturn return. So I had this like intense malefic day and it was, um, yeah, 2020, Norwalk 2020. I had this really intense like nerve reaction where my entire like nervous, like it felt like my entire nervous system was inflamed. It was very painful and weird. Um, and it felt very like Mars on my ascendant. So I'm hoping nothing like that happens this time, <laughs> but, um, regardless, I'm, I'm still excited for Mars to just like gain some dignity. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Mars and Pisces. And then after that we get Mars and Aries. And then after that, we don't get a dignified Mars for like a really long time. So I'm, I'm, um, really holding on to these next two Mars transits for sure. Yeah. Can um, I just say one more thing here about sure, it? I yeah. just, I just want to point out, I mean, Mars and Jupiter, just to give the listeners an idea they'll be they're applying for this whole mars and pisces transit and they're getting closer and closer uh and then they move and can join in aries and so just keep that in mind it's like the the ruler of pisces jupiter mars is kind of not quite getting to it until it's mars's sign later when they meet and that's why i think there's a little bit of an anticipatory feeling for this and then the other thing i just wanted to say is about eclipse season that's coming up as a this might not be within the purview of this show but it really is a marker this eclipse season because in between the eclipses jupiter comes into aries and it's almost like we're going to get spit out into this really more mm -hmm. active period and so i get what i'm trying to say is like this mars and pisces does to me feels feels like something to lean into and like and in, in, enjoy the hot tub i really like that analogy because Things are going to change significantly pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, just, yeah. just don't test the water. Just don't focus too much on what's in the filter. It might be like uh, Kira's bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
personally, I, I'm just looking forward to a lot more fun since Aries is my fifth, fifth house. I'm just. <laughs> Hell yeah. Especially I'm looking forward to some t- fire too. Especially after all, all the COVID restrictions, all the crazy pain and grief. It's, it, it will be nice to have a lot more fun in life. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm really looking forward to, to all the Aries stuff for sure. Same. Um, let's see, what else do we have to talk about? Oh, we have a full moon coming up on the 16th, um, Libra full moon. Um, yeah, Libra full moon. I mean, what do we have? This one's not very contested, I guess, huh? I'm about to pull up the chart. Um, but yeah, thoughts, thoughts on the Libra full moon as I pull it up? I think it's the, this is the Easter one, right? This is the one that defines when Easter happens. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, so I always think <laughs> about that particular one, because it's always the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the vernal equinox. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, you always get that kind of symbolism. Of, yeah, 26 uh, of degrees of, um, okay, so it is square Pluto. We don't, we're not fully out of the, <laughs> out of it, but we do have a square to Pluto. But besides that, yeah, the malefics aren't really, um, besides Mars obviously ruling the sun, the malefics aren't really involved. Um, yeah, thoughts on this full moon? It's, it takes place, um, it, yeah, Saturday the 16th um, of April at 26 degrees, 45 minutes of Libra. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like what is there to say? Yeah, I'm ready to jump in. I mean, go ahead, jump okay. in. We uh, love yeah, Aries. no, I'm sorry. I just jump I'll jump right in because I mean I've been thinking about this one. This this is so Venus is in Pisces. Just to just to say it, Venus rules the moon, and and while Venus is averse to Libra, I do think there's something about a Pisces Venus Libra full moon that is just enjoyable on its face. Um, the second thing that I was thinking about was the, this trine to Saturn. The only planet that makes an aspect of the traditionals is Saturn and this trine from Aquarius. And I've been trying to not get lost in um, the excitement of now things, moving out from Saturn ruled signs, but just really, I think this will be a good opportunity to contextualize Saturn's run. You know, it starts in December, 2017. It's very, very powerful. And, um, you know, now we, we're still kind of under Saturn's domain here. Um, and the reality, lockdowns are still happening in the world. You know, we still have these kind of upheavals of geopolitical reformation and all of these things that are still on our, on our plate. I don't mean to be a, a party pooper, is that the term, or a buzzkill, but, you know, something about Saturn and Aquarius and the new rules and the new realities we're in, I think, could be highlighted here. Maybe we can use this to kind of lean into the... I'm trying to personally lean into the new that's been my mantra. It's like, okay, this is our new reality. Like, I'm going to be online a lot. It sucks sometimes. Internet addiction sucks, but this is where I got I got to navigate. You know, this kind of air reality. And so, those are some of, some of my quick thoughts. I kind of like it. I like Saturn, and I like a trying to Saturn as as a supportive kind of part of the moment. Yeah, especially with like Saturn being the exaltation lord of Libra. Um, and having that nice little supportive, yeah, sextile trying to the moon. I really like that as well. Um, and like you mentioned, we have an exalted Venus ruling the lunation. And, um, while they don't make a, you know, a Ptolemaic aspect, it is in Tisha, not by degree, but, um, Pisces, Libra and Tisha is a thing. 
So, so yeah, I think it's, it is an exciting moon. I'm, I'm curious about the square to Pluto and what that might bring, but, um, yeah, both, both luminaries will kind of run into that square shortly after the, the lunation. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I just think about the fact that any given lunation is like an annual event where the moon is fullest in that particular house of your chart. So it's really kind of like a spotlight being shone in that. And so, one of the ways I see this is, I hate to take this back to the French lecture, but I've just done so much research on it. The day of that full moon, uh, that full moon is happening in Emmanuel Macron's 10th house, mm. and it'll be square the Pluto on his ascendant. Um, so obviously for him, that's the day of uh, him being sworn in for, his, for the next term. That's the day the next uh, term of the French president begins. So I think it's very appropriate that he would have, you know, a major full moon in yeah. his 10th house on the day that he uh, would be sworn in again. And it makes that contact again to Pluto on exactly on his descend on his ascendant in the same way that on the first day of voting, Mercury will be square Pluto um, on his ascendant um, from the other direction of the Zodiac. So uh, I, I think of um, how that full moon, you know, if you think about the house, if you think about where Libra is in your natal chart, then that might give you an idea of like what what topic will be kind of uh, brought um, to uh, to bear mm-hmm. uh, or brought to a sort of temporary level of prominence in uh, that part of life. So, yeah, um, I always like to say f- full moons reveal things. So it's like mm-hmm. what sort of revelations. You know, it's like kind of like a spotlight or like a projector turning on into that area of life and you know, showing you something that you might not have been as aware of before. So, yeah. Um, Culminations, bloomings. Right. When it's full bloom. Totally. Ooh, that'll be interesting. (laughs) That'll be an interesting one. Um, Did Sorry, I didn't know if you had something to add. The last thing I want to talk about, was there something? Sorry, I keep, like, (laughs) not. (laughs) Oh, no, like Go um, ahead, Chris. Take mo, it away. Mo, mostly, I would say the, the thing about with the full 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 moon and the labor, and to go off of what uh, SJ was saying was looking at Saturn being in trying to it and Venus being exalted in Jupiter. I was thinking about about the U.S. Supreme Court and how our laws are going to be shaped and changed. So especially after the confirmation of our new new Supreme Court justice in the U.S. And all there, I'm curious to see all the implications that will come forth from the and the ch- 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 changes that that we're go going to see. But be, be beyond that, um, on a personal level, it's just in my 11th house, and I'm just looking forward to see the new kinds of friends I make for, for from all of this. Actually, that that's reminding me of um, what I wanted to say. I wanted to say something about when Mercury comes to that square to Pluto. We were talking about, I mean, just, you know, all these squares to Pluto really um, makes me think about the, and things coming to light, right? And I think that there's, I have not been paying attention, but I think that there's been um, stuff happening around the January 6th committee stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm wondering if more is going to come out, come to light um, from that, from those investigations. There's just a lot of like stuff from, you know, 2020, early 2021, 
lot of like, you know, president number 45 stuff that's still ongoing and like still in the courts. And I'm wondering if some of these Pluto squares might um, bring some more to light there too. Hmm. Um, can I say, yeah. can I say one thing Kira? just short, sure, quick yeah. to add to this? I just want to point out that the, this is the last syzygy before the eclipse. And that's that first solar eclipse is also ruled by the same planet Venus. And so it might be worth thinking about Venus in Pisces right now being um, extra highlighted by the next two, you know, uh, the, the full moon and then the new moon. And so that might also might be something to just get people to think about. Where's Pisces? What's going on there in your life um, in that Pisces house? Mm, that's a really good point, yeah. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about that eclipse. Um, <laughs> not this episode, <laughs> <Yeah>. next episode. <laughs> um, I guess the last, do I... I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess just like kind of talking a little bit about Taurus season over this next couple of minutes, um, the sun's going to enter Taurus late on the 19th slash early on the 20th. Um, that's also 420. What up? Um, <laughs> and blaze it. Um, and <laughs> we also get Mercury conjoining the North node on the 23rd. Um, and that actually, like, that's kind of mostly what I wanted to just quickly touch on is Mercury running into the North node. Cause we do, I don't like, I don't know if we get it multiple times, but it does kind of hang out there when it, when it retrogrades back, it's going to be within a couple of degrees. So yeah. Any thoughts on Mercury hitting the North node? Um, because yeah, I, I just feel like that's, that's important to talk about, <laughs> um, Mercury Rahu. Oh, and uh, I guess I guess I'll just say like my my general point of view on planets hitting the North Node is that the North Node has this way of super I like to say it's like blasting the volume like it just makes that planet very loud and kind of like overactivates it. The nodes are very distorting. <laughs> they distort things, right? So with the North Node coming to Mercury and and sorry, Mercury coming to the North Node in Taurus, um I'm expecting some like big news or, you know, some, something, yeah, something. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys might think can come. A catchy uh, slogan. <laughs> <laughs> a catchy slogan, a, 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 a new marketing campaign that comes out with a big bang and like, oh my mm. God, I'm seeing these ads everywhere for X. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, Taurus usually corresponds to like luxury brands or material things. It would have something to do with, uh, I don't know, like a cupcake brand that <laughs> comes out with a, you know, a, a big marketing push or something like that. I don't know. It's that I would, uh, I tend to think of, yeah, planets crossing the North Node, similarly to you, uh, that it's like a magnification kind of, of uh, the, the significations of uh, that planet. Also knowing that Mercury has this connection to markets and that Mercury will be going retrograde and, you know, Uranus and Taurus has kind of corresponded with all of this, uh, you know, volatility in the markets, especially with digital currencies, I'd probably expect, um, you know, uh, to, well, I wish I could say which one and which way it goes <laughs> and up or down, but I guess it would be enough to say that um, we might expect to see uh, sort of uh, either like a new coin announced or a, uh, um, some you know dramatic reversal in you know a given coin's uh, price you know could be a buying mm -hmm. opportunity could be a lot of people losing money it really just uh, it really just depends 
Um, I'd also expect, just based on, like, um, uh, Francis McWhirter's work on the nodes moving into the fixed signs, that this will probably represent, uh, um, could be a turning point in the housing market generally uh, mm. across the country, mm. which is just way too hot. Atrocious. Yeah. Um, right now. Atrocious. <laughs> I mean, great to sell, like I just did, but um, obviously horrible to buy, so I'm currently feeling that right now, too. Um, so I'd expect maybe that to be somehow in focus as uh, you see planets getting um, you know, crossing the North Node or with eclipses happening on that axis. So, yeah, that's probably all I have to say. Cool. Uh, I was going to say, to piggyback off that, I see another explosion for NFTs with with Taurus being oh. a Venus rule sign, man. <laughs> Combined yeah. with Uranus being... Uh, especially like the the the, the reversals because right now a lot of the altcoins are just completely down. So possibly with with Mercury hit, hitting the the north north node and Uranus being there, we could see a, a secondary explosion of these NFTs that are backed by altcoins. Mm. And another, well, I don't want to call it a bubble because a lot of the time is just like the old pump and dump kind of scam, but I definitely can see a lot of new people coming into wealth for, 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 from this true transit. Oh, and it's, oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Cupcake NFT. <laughs> yeah, I'll start, I'll start a new coin. How about that? Cupcake uh, coin. <laughs> do it at the Mercury Direct Station because that Mercury Retrograde will take back what you stop that. <laughs> um, cool. I think I think we can wrap that up. Yeah. I know Patrick has to go do a reading. I have to go praise Venus. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna wrap this up. Um, this was so much fun. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Scorpio power. That's great. Um, <laughs> hey, Scorpio power. I like that. Do you let's let's let the people know how to find you, um, Patrick? Why don't you go first? Uh, you can find me at patrickwatsonastrology.com for information about uh, my services and my articles, and you can also follow me on Twitter at pwatsonastro. Awesome. And Chris? Oh, you can f f find me on t Twitter at ProfEclipse. Uh, I am also on Instagram, also under for, for Professor Eclipse. And in a couple of weeks, my website will be rebuilt at ProfessorEclipse.net. Awesome. Nice. We'll link it all in the show notes, too. And SJ? Um, uh, SJAnderson144.com. That's where you can find everything about me. And you also have links to my social media. Twitter is my uh, big platform that I, that I, uh, you can find me there at SJAnderson144. And then YouTube at SJAnderson144. And that's where you can see me. Awesome. Sweet. Thank you guys so much. This was so awesome. And thanks, 11th Housers, for joining us live. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Astrology Show. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I loved recording it. Super fun. It's always fun to do these Venusian Afternoon episodes um, and chat about what's coming up and what's going on in our lives, too. 
Um, yeah, so definitely check out my upcoming workshops and webinars. Oh, I didn't mention um, the retreats that I'm hosting in France this summer. Um, it's almost sold out. So if you're interested in joining us for that, definitely um, get on it. <laughs> There's still a three-month payment plan available. We're switching it to two months, um, probably on the 15th of April. So yeah, you won't hear this before. Well, we'll go to the 20th. How about that? 420. Blaze it. Um, <laughs> can't say 420 without saying blaze it. Um, but yeah, definitely check out those upcoming in-person things they have going on and check out our upcoming 11th house events and, um, you know, be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Oh, I didn't mention, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I forgot. Um, <laughs> so the few of you who listened this far will hear it, but I'm trying out something new for the astrology show for the last episode. I want to answer some questions. So if you have questions for us, there is a link in the show notes. I will be answering advice questions. It's kind of my dream to do an advice column sort of thing. So um, send in your predicaments. I want to help you out. All right, folks. See you again next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye.